You're listening to the Flow Theory Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please give a warm welcome to the Flow Theory Podcast. A man that was one of the most naturally gifted defensive linemen ever to suit up for the Virginia Football Cavaliers, ladies and gentlemen. It is an absolute honor to have Jeffrey Fitzgerald on the podcast. Jeffrey, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. I appreciate you having me, man, definitely. All right, well, let's get into it, Fitz. One of the biggest things I like talking to all the guys about are uh, moments of flow and being in the zone. Why don't you talk to me about some of your moments of flow and uh, being in the zone for the who's? Because I know Mike Vick in his 30 for 30, he talks about the moments where uh, there was a moment in a game where everything was moving in slow motion for him, even though everyone on the field was was uh, really running at full speed. Did you have any moments like that for you in your football career? Uh, most definitely. I mean, I think that's just kind of the that that mindset of that you have to take once you really get tuned into the game and everything like that. For myself, uh, pretty much every single game, just kind of get into that zone to where I always kind of had my routines that I went through to get myself mentally prepared throughout the game. But then once you get out there, I, I always made a, a conscious effort as soon as I ran out the tunnel or whatever arena. I, I, I kind of took my time to take in the moment of the crowd and everything like that because I wanted to understand it. But as soon as that first ball got snapped, I was locked in. You could hardly hear the crowd. You were just really zoned in and focused to, to what you were locked in. And I, it was kind of funny because, um, like I said, going throughout the game, uh, guys, some of the, my other defensive linemen, they will always ask me what they're get, what am I getting out there, this, that, and the third. But it was kind of just a blur. I was out there just reacting. So it just everything came down to muscle memory and just reacting. So mostly every, every single game, it seemed like you got into that zone because that's what you work so hard for. So all, all the hard work in the off season and the practice, the preparation, work all those 10-plus Saturdays. So every, every opportunity I got to step on the field, I felt like I would do a disservice not to be in that zone. One of the biggest things I got to mention about you, Fitz, not only were you an incredible player, but you were an incredible player after suffering the types of injuries in high school that would literally finish someone's career. And you were still able to play at a ridiculous level at Hermitage High in Richmond, Virginia. You... You tore your ACL, MCL, and meniscus in your right knee, and then you tore your ACL in your left knee. It was that, is that right? Yeah, yeah. So like I said, it was unfortunate going through the high school process. Um, definitely played with quite a few injuries on my sophomore year. Third game of the season, I blew out my right knee, as you explained. Um, kind of was a whole new process to me, so I didn't really know too much about it. All I knew, I just wanted to rehab and get back as fast as possible. So ended up missing the rest of that. My sophomore year, I came back, had a, a fairly decent junior season. I uh, was able to come back and compete. Had uh, had it like I said, was able to get a, quite a few offers off of that. And then um, came back my senior year, the scrimmage prior to the season starting, I ended up blowing out my left knee. So that that was kind of frustrating. Actually, going into surgery, it was only thought that I just tore my meniscus. So I'm thinking I'm gonna be out four weeks, come back to finish up a strong senior season. 
it wasn't until after I got out of surgery that I realized it was a, I had a ACL sur- reconstruction surgery. So that was kind of uh, frustrating, devastating, and it caused me like that. Obviously, missed my senior season, but fortunately enough, um, like I said I did enough throughout my junior year, throughout the camp circuit. They had quite a few bit of recognition, so I was still able to. Uh, go to UVA and, and have a successful career there. So, and also like that, kudos to UVA for sticking with me and staying with me throughout that injury process. Because that's not always the case as well. Yeah, you know, it, it was incredible to me for you to play at such a high level. I mean, you exploded onto the scene as a freshman. Check out these stats: freshman season for Fitz at UVA. Honestly. You can make a strong argument, the best stats of any freshman defensive lineman in Virginia football history. 73 tackles, 11 and a half TFLs, seven sacks, two interceptions, and two forced fumbles. Absolutely <laughs> incredible numbers for a freshman, man. I know you had Chris Long on the other side, but my God, Fitz, those are some amazing numbers. Were you thinking like, Coming into your freshman year, I mean, were you feeling like you were just going to tear it up? I mean, obviously, that's just kind of – I didn't think I was – I had no expectations really coming into it. I just knew I really coming off of two years of not competing. Like, I missed my whole senior year. And, obviously, I redshirted my true freshman year, able to kind of really rehab and bounce back and get myself stronger and get ready for – that competition level in college. So I really came in with no expectations there. I, I found success. So just that, that, like I said, again, hats off to the coaching staff there to mentally and physically prepare myself to get ready. Um, but like I said, in my redshirt year, I, I feel like that was the best competition I faced. Every time you got a lineup and you look across the line of scrimmage and you got DeBrickishaw Ferguson there, like that's the pinnacle of competition right there. That's probably the best tackle that I faced in all of my college career. So just seeing that fresh out of high school, it, it helped prepare me for pretty much every other challenge that I would come across in any in, in any other game or anything like that. Yeah, D Brick was an absolutely incredible player and, and just a, a brilliant guy in general. Um Fitz, one question I have for you. Talk to me a little bit more about your recruitment process. Um, in terms of, you know, coaches talking to you and everything, I always like hearing about guys' recruitment process. Oh, uh, well, like I said, it was, it was, it was kind of up and down, like I said, with the injuries. But ironically, the actual the time I blew out my knee the first time, my sophomore year, UVA was actually at that game. I briefly had a, a crossing because they were there to visit Fontel Mons and Dwayne Brown. They were two highly recruited athletes uh, my, their, my sophomore year. So that was their senior year. They were two highly recruited athletes. So um, just with the talent that we had in the program at Hermitage already, a lot of colleges were coming through. And naturally, I was a bigger kid. So as a sophomore, couple of eyes that were already on me. And like I said, just doing those couple games, uh, I did well the first three games and everything like that. So naturally, I think I had a fairly decent game, that game that I got injured in Luckwell. Unfortunately for myself, we were beating them pretty bad. Um, then, like, I think with a couple of minutes left in the game, just a un- un- unfortunate incident. One of the guys kind of wrapped around and hit my knee and everything like that, blew it out. But like I said, kudos to the UVA staff. They stuck with me throughout the whole time. And then, Throughout my junior year, I had some success. And then mainly after my junior year, I hit a whole bunch of camps. And just 
some of the, a lot of recruitment took off of there. So throughout the Nike camps, I went to a lot of the ACC school camps and everything like that. So I think I ended up with, well, I, actually, I don't know. I, I say around 16, but I heard some people say I had 20 to 30 offers. So I don't know if I had some offers that my coach didn't necessarily tell me all about or, or what it may have been. But like I so said, I'm definitely blessed that I, I had the opportunities to go where I was that I go the way that I did because like I said, a lot of instances with injuries and everything like that. Sometimes people just don't get the opportunity. So fortunately that those guys stuck with me and I was able to put out, put out enough in those. Cause I actually only played 13 varsity games in my high school career. So hopefully I'm glad fortunately through those 13 games in the camp circuit, I was able to do enough to earn myself a scholarship to play football at the next level. Absolutely. Talk to me about your relationship with Jamil Sewell, Fitz. I, I know you were really tight with him. Jamil Sewell was always one of my favorite players to watch at UVA. I always thought he was – Sewell was an incredibly underrated player during his Virginia days, and I loved definitely, how he, he used to he used to carry the uh, football with his index finger right over the nose of the football. It was just beautiful football fundamentals from Sewell. Definitely. That's my guy, man. I, that's, I call it, that's my brother, man. I grew up with him. Um, he's my quarterback. Anybody say, who's your quarterback? Jamil Sewell is my quarterback. He's been my quarterback. He was my first quarterback in Little League, high school, college. So I've been riding with him forever. Um, he, he's a great guy, great competitor. Um, that's that's one thing you can that you know he's going to compete. Say he his talent level was what it was, but his competitive level was even more than that. So, I mean, that's just kind of he was the spearhead of that 2017 that we had. And obviously, like I said, a lot of those games we were down in and up fighting back, claw back. And if it wasn't for guys like Jamil Sewell, it, it would have been tough to do. His leadership, his competitive nature, and him just come out there ready to fight. And any we knew what, what we had as our leader. Like I said, quarterback's the leader of the program, and we knew we had a, a leader that was going to go out there and fight for us, and, and we were going to fight for him. So that's my guy. That's my brother. I still talk to him to this day. Uh, he's doing really well. He's actually, um, unfortunately, I said with the pandemic and everything going on, he wasn't able to coach. He's in coaching. He's coaching out in San Diego in some arena ball. But like I said, with the pandemic, he wasn't able to do it, have a season this year. So he, he's been doing well. He, he's been doing well. Like I said, that's. He's a great guy, great competitor, and like I said, he, he's been he's been great for the for what he did. Absolutely, you know that 2007 Virginia team fits you guys incredibly. Uh, definitely one of the most special teams in Virginia football history. Five wins by two points or less, an NCAA football record. Uh, one of my favorite plays that you made that year, dude. I got to talk to you about this one, Georgia Tech. Chris Long bats the ball. You pick it off. You return it to the end zone, and then you did. It was it was the Jay Z sign in the end zone when you scored. Definitely. <laughs> you know what yeah, I'm talking I, about? I do. I do. I remember that play. It was like the, obviously one of the top notch plays of my career and everything like that. But yeah, that was just a great game. I know. Um, playing against Virginia, Georgia Tech. Excuse me. Um. But like I said, Chris Long did a great job getting his hands up. Our, our, our defensive line coach, Coach London, preached short drops, quick pass, get your hands up, bat the ball. So we did that quite a few this, that time that year. Um, but he did a great job getting his hand on the ball. Quarterback tried to bat the ball down, which they're supposed to do. Happened to hit the butt of one of the offensive linemen and bounced right, right my way. I happened to be in the right position at the right time, and I just tried to make a play. So. Uh, it, it was it was it was a great time, and then obviously to the national adrenaline, try to get the crowd involved. I know Chris Long; he always threw up his little 
he threw off his L. That was his signature thing. So preseason, I always tried to figure out what I was going to do. And Jay-Z is my favorite rapper. Love him and everything like that. So that was kind of my, my ode to him and everything like that. So it, I really, it was, it was a great time. That was epic, dude. That was uh, unquestionably one of my favorite moments of your Virginia career. Talk about talk about the uh, TD return that you had against uh, Thad Lewis at Duke. Thad Lewis fumbled the ball, and you picked it up and returned it for a touchdown. Talk to me about that play. Yeah, uh, that was another good game for us. Um, we came out there. I think we 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 had a, a really good showing on defense that game. We caused quite a few turnovers. Um, I believe on that play, I think it was Clint Sentum came off the edge and had a big sack, and I just saw the ball on the ground and opportunity. So I just did what I, our coaches do, is look for opportunity, and we make a play. I had a little open ground, and I didn't want to dive on it, so I wanted to be try to show my athletic ability a little bit and call scoop and score and just take it to the house and everything like that. So anytime I get an opportunity to get my hands on the ball, I tried to I tried to make a play, and like I said, I had an opportunity there, and it got into the zone and celebrated with the guys. Yeah, man, you are undoubtedly one of the fastest defensive linemen. I mean, you were you were so fluid with the ball in your hands. I mean, you looked like an offensive player the way you were running with the ball. And <laughs> well, actually, actually, I could have had a couple opportunities to play tight end. Um, but like I'm, I'm more so wanted to hit people than get hit. So, <laughs> like I, I lobbied a couple times to get on the offense, a couple goal line packages, but I never got that opportunity. But <laughs> Uh, like I, said, I, definitely, I tried to, like I said, definitely felt like I was an athlete, and anytime I got my hands on the ball, I definitely tried to do such. Yeah, incredible athlete, man. Talk to me about your time at Kansas State, dude. I absolutely love Bill Snyder, one of my all-time favorite college football coaches. Funny story for you about Bill Snyder that I heard, and I don't know if you know whether or not this is true, but story about Bill Snyder is that he would have one meal a day during the college football season, and that meal was a crunch wrap supreme from Taco Bell. And he said, he said the reason that was it's because his wife's kitchen is closed at midnight. So he would go to Taco <laughs> Bell to get a crunch wrap supreme. <laughs> I had never heard that story, but I do not doubt it. Because that's one thing I know is Coach Nari, he he burned that midnight oil. He stayed in that office all day trying to prepare, and that's just the type of guy that he was. He's going to be prepared. So, yeah, Coach Nari, he, he, was, he, he was awesome. He definitely taught me a lot. Um, just that, that whole town is just so football-oriented, K-State oriented, and case, Bill Snyder is K-State. I mean, there's no – denying why he has the reputation that he does. Um, he's a great coach, great leader. Those um, instincts and just whatever he tries to instill into his players, it, it carries over to so many aspects of life. And really, like I said, I, I feel like I was blessed, obviously, going to UVA and Kansas State, just having the opportunity to play under Al Groh and Bill Snyder, I feel like are two of the greatest football minds. Um, Bill, I mean, Grow obviously, he was under that Billichek tree and everything, Bill Parcells, and kind of with that, that that regime and everything and everything he taught, I carried over to while they were at Kansas State and Bill Snodders and his 16 goals success and everything like that. So just, and, it, and it's, it's ironic that both of them are very similar in their style. So it was a little bit of training because obviously once I got out there to Kansas State, that was right after the Ron Prince era. Um, Coach Prince, he's a, like I said, he, he, he was more of a player's coach style, and sometimes they, 
practices maybe hour and a half, two hours, and then they obviously transition to Coach Snyder to you know, practices three hours long, and they're grueling and, and, and hard. So some of the players had a little bit tough time adjusting. Me, that was the same model that I followed there at UVA. So it's just another day at, at the office for me. So um, just playing under those two coaches, it, it, it prepared me for so much that I faced outside of football. So I'm just definitely blessed to be able to experience both of those programs and that, that, the leadership that I've, I've able to obtain from both of those individuals. Talk to me about Bill. One of the legendary things about Bill Snyder is his attention to detail fits. Was, do you have any stories about Bill Snyder and his attention to detail? Oh, well, one, he definitely has attention to detail. Um, for us, like I talked about with the 16 goals of success, and obviously I've been out of the program for quite some time now, but he would require us to know every single one of them in the exact order. So we couldn't go out of order. We had to know exactly all 16 of them in exact order. So he'll come up to you and say, hey, what's number eight? And you got to know it just like that. So just that detail. And if you can understand and like say, obviously all those 16 goals of success were something that we that we could carry over to the football field. But just the understanding and making sure we understood that detail, we can understand those details in the 16 goals. We should be able to understand the details of a playbook. So. He was highly detail-oriented. Everything we did, it was a schedule. We had to stick to it. Um, and like I say, he, he held, always held us accountable. So if you didn't know the details, there was obviously, whether it was running or whatever whatever the consequence was, um, you definitely wanted to stay stay on his good side. So like I said, make sure you stick on, stick on top of the details. Uh, but like I said, the, everything that he taught in the program, was definitely, like I said, on a schedule. So he was definitely a, a, a detail-oriented stickler, you could say. Yeah. Talk to me about your pro career, Fitz, because, you know, I didn't get to follow your pro career nearly as much as I did watching you at Virginia, but I saw you spent some time in the AFL with the Philadelphia Soul, the Chicago Rush, and then you were in the UFL with the Omaha Nighthawks. And I also saw you spend some time with the Chiefs. So talk to me about uh, your pro career and just the process of uh, of going pro. Yeah, um, like I said, after I was done with Kansas State, finished up out there, I got a chance to, as a free agent with the Chiefs, was out there for a while. Fortunately, things didn't work out out there. One of the quarterbacks kind of got injured, so they needed to bring in another quarterback. And like I said, just a numbers game. And like I said, I was, Hopefully, I was hoping to get a more of an opportunity there, but things just didn't work out. So I bounced around, played some arena ball. Uh, like I say, well, actually, uh, before arena ball, it was a brief stint with the U in the UFL, but that league didn't stick around too long, um, which caused me to go to arena ball. I played out in Philly for one year. Then they kind of had a coaching change and everything, which caused me to go out to Chicago and played out there for a year. All in all, it was it was a, a great experience, but um, just from a defensive line standpoint, that arena ball is, is kind of tough, and it's definitely tough on your body. And just coming off a lot of the injuries that I had at that time, I had six knee surgeries, no, five, I believe, five knee surgeries. I ended up having my sixth one at the end of my arena career and just kind of risk-reward. I felt like it was time to just transition into the coaching side of things. That's where I'm at now, so... Like I said, just with the injuries and everything like that, just end up transitioning over to the coaching. I saw I, I saw some really good pictures on your on your Facebook page with you rocking the black visor for the Philadelphia Soul, man. Like those are those are some really cool pictures. Oh uh, yeah, I love the visors. They were they, they, I, 
it was it it aggravated me because as soon as I got to college, the year I was able to play is that's when they outlawed ten advisors. So prior to and all the guys on the team, they used to have the rainbow ten advisors and this, that, and the third. Uh, as soon as I was able to play, they outlawed them, and they only had to wear the, the clear visor and everything like that. But as soon as I got an opportunity in the, the, the arena league, I was able to wear my the smoked out visor. It just kind of added to your one. Like I said, football's kind of one. I didn't like the people people to realize where my eyes were at, because that kind of can tell what you're doing, this, that, and the third. But also, you get add a little bit of intimidation factor and everything like that. So Absolutely, I, enjoyed, man. I definitely enjoyed my my dark vibes and everything like that. And shout out to my my equipment people out at UVA. They and even though we had to wear the the clear one, they kind of gave you a little mirror tint, so it still had you a little bit add a little bit more to your, your swag value. <laughs> Yeah, dude, the visor in football is unquestionably one of my favorite pieces of sports equipment ever. Like, you put a visor on anyone, they immediately look like a beast. Definitely. And I actually wasn't a huge fan of the visor because they are tough to breathe in. But it wasn't until my first year in 06, we played Wyoming. I think they tried to have like a welcome freshman moment to me, or like one of the first plays of the game. And I think that picture's on my Facebook as well. Like three, four guys grabbing my face mask, jumping on my back. So I'm like, you know what? From this point on, I got to get a visor. That way they can't grab my face mask with the same <laughs> easy, the easiness that they did that game. So that kind of shifted me to the visor and I never went back. So again, they, they kind of spearheaded that one. That's funny, man. You spent some time coaching with uh, Hermitage, is that right? Correct, correct. I spent, uh, I was there three or four years, I believe. Um, a lot of time on on the junior varsity level, um, just coaching there, helping out the young guys. My, that was my main goal there, just to get out there. Obviously, that's where I'm from, so I always want to go back home and help out as much as possible. Uh, that, that That's always going to be home. Uh, so I had an opportunity to get back out there under Coach Kane and help out as much as possible. I wasn't too sure how long I was going to stay there. I was still trying to get back to my playing career as well. So that's why I spent a lot of time on the junior varsity. But then once I kind of made that full transition over to coach, I ended up getting a chance to work with the varsity as well. So I definitely enjoyed that. that that's kind of what got me in that passion and the understanding that I wanted to get into the coaching game, that experience that I had there at Hermitage. So and like I said, we had some success there. We had a lot of great, talented guys that did well at Hermitage, still doing well, and now I'm playing in the college and everything like that. So um, that was just kind of my introduction into the into the coaching realm. And like I said, I, I, I've loved it and enjoyed every moment of it since. It's called, uh, is it Chowan? Cho- the Chowan Hawks? Chowan. Chowan Hawks. Chuan Hawks, dude, your guys' uniforms. I, I looked at the 2015, there was like a 2015 preseason media guide I, I found online. I love the way they put the hawk on the front of the helmet. It's really sweet. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That was kind of our how We were switching up our style a little bit. We had a couple coach changes, so we're trying to get a little new blood, new regime out here. So we switched it up a little bit this year. So I hope, I, I know our designs, we're, we're looking forward to the next time we can step on the field. But yeah, uh, Swan Hawk, definitely, uh, like I say, nice little fit that we had there. Talk about uh, one of your prize pupils there right now, Raf- Rafiq Abdul-Wahid. Correct, yeah, Rafiq. He, I mean, he's a heck of a football player. So um, he's from the Baltimore, Maryland area. He's from Dunbar High School. Um, he's, he's going into a senior season this year. He, he's, a, he's, a, he's a man. That's all I can say. He's like 6'3", 270 all muscles. So he was came in as a freshman, 
weren't really too sure exactly what position, whether it was inside or outside, but he just came out here dominating people. So we just knew he had to get him on the field. So he played a little bit of both of us, um, a little bit of three technique and defensive end. Uh, looking forward to having a great senior year. I'd like to hopefully we can get on a football field in the spring, possibly next fall, whenever we get out there. But the guys have been working hard. Uh, we just got just got some of the kids back to campus over the last couple of weeks. So they're eager to get out here and get training and everything. We didn't have the best season this past year. So they're, they're all eager to, to redeem themselves. So we all understand we were three and seven. So we all understand that we're a lot better football team than that. So these guys can't wait to get back out there and, and get back after the game. So hopefully with this pandemic, we can figure things out. We definitely want to do it safe. So we're not in a rush to get anywhere, but we're definitely eager to get back to the work. Talk about what it was like to play with uh, Chris Long at Virginia, having a player like Chris Long on the opposite side. And he had, he had his best season of his Virginia career on the opposite side of you. You guys really formed, you could really argue the best defensive end tandem in Virginia football history. Talk about suiting up across from Chris Long every game in practice. Oh, well, Chris, I mean, he, he's a great guy. That's, that's the most, the first and foremost. Obviously, his, his resume speaks for itself of what he's done while at UVA, and especially since he's left UVA, not only on the football field, but off the football field. Um, his resume speaks for itself, but also more than that, like, he's, a, he's just a great guy. Um, as soon as I got there, he had no problem taking me under his wing, showing me the ropes, and and just really letting me know what it takes to be a successful football player. So just following guys like like that, it made it an easy transition for me. And that's one thing I feel like we did a great job playing off one another. That's why I feel like my truth, well, my redshirt freshman year, I started off pretty hot. I had a lot of success early because teams were just solely scheming against Chris Long. So. You scheme against him, you're going to obviously run opposite. They're going to, which sent a lot of traffic my way. And then I feel like I started doing well enough that teams had to start scheming against both of us. So you take half your attention off Chris Long, he's going to really start having a field day then. So that's when his start stats started to pick up later on that year. And it kind of the same thing happened that next year as well, where I think they might have started gearing toward me a little bit to, hey, let's stop him. And then Chris is going to get his, and he just got off to a crazy hot start. And I'm like, okay, we can't do that. And then that's when I started to pick up my, my, my levels as well toward the end of the season. So we did a really good job of just playing off one another. Um, then obviously you got like Alex Billick and Nate Collins in the middle that we had a dominant, we had a dominating defense, the line dominating defense, really. So, uh, just following the lead. And like I said, Chris was our leader and he was our undoubtedly leader on the, on the defense side of the ball, but. The one thing about it is Chris didn't really have to say too much. All of his leadership came from his actions. So as long as we followed his actions, we, we were going to be in a good position. So like I said, he, he was a great leader, great friend. And like I said, happy for all the success that he, he's, he's done since. Absolutely. Um, you know, talking to you about moments of flow and uh, being in the zone fits, are there is there any sort of thing that like you guys as coaches at, at – Ch- Chawan that um to help your players like get in flow like is there any sort of uh any anything that you help them to get in like a certain mental state before the game oh well really just trying to talk to them well main thing is just the preparation throughout the week um we really just try to challenge them throughout the week and I really just try to take the same models that I've learned throughout my playing career 
and just apply it to the coaching. Uh, like I said, the coaches always told us they want to challenge us in practice to where we face the most difficult situations Monday through Friday to where Saturday we've seen everything and that should be the easiest part of the week is Saturday. So that's kind of the same mindset that I've, I've taken in my approach to coaching. I want to challenge my guys constantly in all season and during the, during the, throughout the, the practice week to where Saturday is. It should be easy just reacting and, and making sure they're as mentally prepared as possible. So whether it's just really purposely kind of give them a grueling practice or whatever, just to challenge their physical, um, just to make sure, like, to see where these guys at. Because my, my main thing is I don't want their first test to be in the, in the game because your body's not going to renew how to respond and you're going to start panicking. So I want to test you as much as I can in practice to where soon you step on the field on Saturday, I've been there. I'm comfortable. So if you can feel comfortable on the field, that's how you can get into that flow and everything. But if you get out there and you start acting out of sorts and your adrenaline levels get too high and you lose control of everything, that's when you can kind of get lost in the sauce, lost in the mix. And you just got to keep your, obviously you want to get your adrenaline into the game, but you got to keep a, a calm level head to where you can stay in the moment and not let the moment get too big. Yeah, I agree. Those are some really wise words. Talk to me about some of your favorite football players growing up. Who were some of your favorite football players? Oh, favorite football players. Well, my family, they're Cowboys. They're, they're, they're Cowboys fans. So I grew up kind of a Cowboys fan. So obviously the Emmitt Smith, Troy Aikman. Um, I actually, I was a huge Charles Haley fan growing up. I guess I knew I was going to be a big guy, so I was – I was a huge Charles Haley fan watching him coming off the edge, but kind of once I really started watching him can pick, but Charles Woodson, he was one of my favorite guys. For some reason, I always liked the, the DBs. In my mind, I was a defensive back, but just obviously my body was nowhere near that. So I was a huge Charles Woodson fan. Um, loved watching him. That's really about it. Well, I go with Dion. I can I say that. Dion, he, he was a, a huge fan of mine. Well, I was a huge fan of his. Damn. But yeah, not, other than that, like I said, I just really like to watch just the game. I didn't have a favorite team or anything like that. Well, I still don't have a favorite team. I just like the sports now. I kind of just root for some of the guys that I I've known, and and I, but I more so just like good competition and like the sport for itself. Uh, who are your some of your favorite like uh, current players in the NFL today, Fitz? Oh well, huge fan of Khalil Mack. I, I like like with him rushing off the edge. Obviously, Aaron Donald. He's a man in there. Um, who else? From a defensive line perspective, that like I said, more so now. Just kind of watch for good competition, but. I, I do like uh, just on the offensive side of the ball. It's hard for me to say who I like on the offense. I, I feel like it's kind of sacrilegious, but <laughs> I'm a defensive player. But <laughs> but no, I'm a huge fan of Hopkins. I, I like DeAndre Hopkins. I, actually, I think they'll do pretty well out there in in Arizona this year with him and Larry Fitzgerald and Colin Murray. And that that interesting to see how that that tandem can work itself out. Um, but yeah, you from the defensive side, like I really don't, and it's tough because I don't, I would say now and it's hard for me to really keep up with the everyday football the same way I did as when I was playing because a lot of times now I'm kind of more preparing. So a lot of times on Sunday when these games are on, I'm more so game planning and trying to get ready for our opponents the upcoming week than I am more so just really enjoying football. So kind of away from the day-to-day with the football now, but more so in tune to what we got going on over here. Talk talk to me about uh, what your guys' uh, day-to-day schedule is there. Uh, now fits, you know, with uh, coronavirus. 
Oh, uh, well, now with the virus, we're kind of slow motion right now. Obviously, we don't, we're not here in um, extra one. We're not going to have a season in the fall. We're hopefully can have something in the spring. So, our main focus right now, we just had our kids return back to campus over the past couple weeks. So, just to make sure they're all health and healthy and safe to return and get back to a safe campus and everything like that. So, that's our main focus. We haven't really done too many football related activities. Hopefully, we can kind of get those things going up here in the the next upcoming weeks, but right now we're just mainly focusing that we have a safe, clean campus for the for the for the students. That's the the main the main focus right now. Obviously, this it has been the longest I've ever been away from football since I've ever been near football. So it, it's kind of feel like I'm going through withdrawal a little bit, a little little. I mean, it's like a gift and curse because also throughout this time I've I spent the most time, been able to spend the most time with my family. So. Um, I've definitely found some silver lines in it, but I'm definitely ready to get back to football whenever we feel like it's safe enough for us to return to it. Sounds good, man. Well, I, I want to really say that I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me, man. Jump on my podcast. I, I really appreciate it. I was always a massive, massive fan of yours. You are truly one of the best defensive players I have ever seen suit up at the University of Virginia, man. And I've been watching Virginia football since I was nine year, or uh, seven years old. So that's like 29 years. So you were, uh, you were beast out there, man. I, I was happy that you had a very solid pro career. I honestly think you would have had an even better pro career had you not had all those injuries. But it was absolutely incredible watching you at Virginia, man. You were an amazing, amazing player. Well, I definitely appreciate that, man. Like I said, obviously, injuries are what they are. Like I said, and hindsight, looking back, obviously, I wish it wouldn't happen. But throughout it all, it, it's taught me so much. It's about overcoming adversity and things like that. So it's a gift and a curse. Uh, just understanding how to, to see it for the blessing that it is and understand the values and the lessons that came from it. But I appreciate you taking the time and wanting to speak with me and everything like that. So definitely appreciate that. Thanks a lot, man. Stay safe during all this time and take care of yourself. All right, man. You do the same. I appreciate you. See ya. Bye-bye. to the flow theory podcast you can listen to our podcast on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, stitcher spotify and tune in